Amen. Thank you, guys. Great, great worship set. Good morning, church. Good to see everyone. Thank you. Good morning, online viewers. Saw y'all tuned in this morning. Thank you for joining Creekside Community Church. This time, we're going to dismiss our preteens and teenagers. You'll follow Miss Tammy out there for that class. And as you can see by the slide, we're going to talk about distractions. How many of y'all ever got these distractions in your life? Uh, raise your hands. Yeah. If you live in the world, unless you're under a rock, you're bombarded with distractions. And you'll hear me say this again in the message. I think today's time, we are inundated with more sound bites, with more distractions. The way the world has become, we are just so overwhelmed with distractions. Our teaching text today, while we're talking about distractions, is that Jesus actually meets someone who's distracted. And uh, let's just get into it. This is from Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. Now, as they went on their way, he, he being Jesus, entered a certain village where a woman named Martha, remember Martha, welcomed him into her home. So she has a spirit of hospitality. She says, come on in, Jesus. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. So right here, we, we have these two sisters that are in a home. One's welcoming him in. Hey, Jesus, come on in. Come on in. And as soon as Jesus is there, the other sister we find sitting at Jesus' feet. Verse 40. But Martha was what? Distra oh, come on, church. Martha was what? Martha was distracted. Tell us, Luke, what was distracting her? By her many tasks, so she came to him and asked, Lord, and, and I'm putting tone in this. I don't know what tone Martha has. I, I would like to imagine what kind of tone by the question she asked Jesus. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. You ever told somebody to do something for somebody else? That's kind of where this is. And we know if you do some digging on this story, Martha, I mean, Jesus is at his popularity here. They become fast friends, if you know your Gospels. But Martha's preparing food because hospitality was a big thing in this culture. When you welcome somebody in their home, you make sure that they had the best of the best. So she's in the kitchen doing all the preparing and everything and and sister mary's just sitting there at the feet of jesus and it was upsetting it distracted her but look at what jesus says verse 41 and the lord answered her martha martha you are worried jesus throws something else to us you are worried and distracted by many things how many can identify with that today there is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Father, open our minds, our hearts, and our spirits to hear your holy word. As we said, we live in a world that many things distract us as it did Martha. Help us to see the truth in your word. Help us to be able to hear clearly the call of your voice, Jesus, and not be distracted. In your name we pray, amen. 
Today, as I said, more than ever, we live truly in a world of distractions. But the text says Martha was distracted. Distracted. The original Greek word in this verse is parapeo, which means to be overly occupied about a thing and drawn away. Ever had that happen to you? You know, you over are occupied. You, we, we could even say we obsess. You know, I'm preaching to some of y'all, preaching to me. We obsess over things we have no control over. Amen? When we should be leaving it alone. To be overly occupied about a thing, to be drawn away. When Jesus met Martha on that day, she was distracted. And we've all been like this, haven't we? There's many things, as I said, in our lives that distract us. Here's some. Books can distract us. Friends can distract us. Not the right friends, sometimes the right friends. Music can distract us. Movies can distract us. This wonderful little device can distract us. Social media. Wow, there's a big one. Can distract us. Even our hobbies. And on a list, I did a poll for our member page. Sometimes even church can distract us. And that sounds funny, but sometimes you can care more about church than you care about Jesus. Think about that. In that Facebook poll that I put on our member page, the top three distractions that you guys listed, 59% of you, about 50 people took the poll, 59% said social media and my phone. It's my number one distraction. There's a great video I'll post it on our page of Simon Sinek. He's a great uh, observer and teacher and uh, psychologist. He talks about how we're influenced. Like that, he, he borrows a phone from somebody in the audience. He says, why do we even talk to people when we, you know, like this? Or he says, have you gone to the restaurant and turned your phone? And it said on the table. Why do you need your phone on the table? And he says, then turning it down doesn't make any difference. And then he says, I love this, he says, my favorite thing I see people do with phone in group settings is they'll have their phone out and somebody texts and they'll lean over and look at it and say, oh, I'm not getting that. Who's the importance on? And he says, if you're going to talk to somebody, put your phone up and really engage them and talk to them without looking to those notifications. It is big. 59% of you said my phone and my social media is a big distraction. 14% of you said work. Maybe it's work stress. Maybe it's the wrong job. Maybe it's just things going on at work. 9% of you, I think this is tied really much to social media and our phone, the cultural and social issues because that's mainly what you see on social media is arguing and fighting over things. And then 5% said TV. I'm guilty of that. Why, you've heard me say this before. Why is it can I sit down and binge watch the latest series that comes along, but I can't six hours dig in the Word of God? They're distractions, and they're meant to distract us. They're meant to take us away. So there's so many things in this world fighting for my attention, your attention, but the thing is, do we allow them to take too much of our time? And when we allow them to take too much of our time and attention, you know what happens? We lose focus. And losing focus is not good. If we are overly distracted and preoccupied with other things, our ears will not hear Jesus' call to walk with him. Say it again. 
if we are overly distracted, if we're overly stressing on many things as Martha was, she was more concerned how the house looked, what meal to cook, what dishes to use, and she had Jesus in the house in front of her church. If Jesus comes to your house, he don't care what the house looks like. Sit at his feet and soak up Jesus. That's the whole text of that story. But some of us have Jesus right here, and we don't even know Jesus is here or beside us. I love that song that you sang, Mike. There is Jesus. He's been with us. But because we're bombarded with distractions, we miss him. We do not hear his call to walk with him. And the answer may not be necessarily to cut out distractions. Believe it or not, there's some distractions you can manage. And be. I mean, books are inherently bad. There's great books you should be reading. There's great social media you can learn something from. There's great movies. There's great documentaries that enhance the mind. But a lot of us, and I'm preaching to me, fill our mind up with just junk stuff. Crime dramas, and I'm not hacking on anybody because I love a good crime drama. Give me a suspense thriller, I'm in. But what does that have to do with my eternity? What does that have to do with the way I impact people in my circle of influence that I can speak to? We do need to realize that they can distract us. And here's what we have to do. We have to keep them in check. Keep it in check. So today I want to look at three common distractions. I did. I was researching. I was trying to combine some three. And I, I always give credit where credit is due. I ran across a great blog about distractions by Pastor Michael Woods of First Baptist in Orlando. And I said, these three, they just rang with me. They echoed with me. And like I said, I want to give credit where credit is due. These are not my originals, but they hit home to me. I think they'll hit home to you. Number one, everyday worries. Somebody say amen. amen. Especially nowadays. How am I going to get from today to tomorrow? Some of you right now, some of you are already thinking about what you're going to have to do at work instead of being right here in time, in presence with Jesus and the Holy Spirit among the saints. Uh, that's just a true fact. <laughs> I heard a youth minister say one time, talking about worship, Mikey, you'll like this. He says, have you ever been so caught up in worship and you got a friend and you're thinking they're caught up with worship and you're just up there worshiping and worshiping and all of a sudden he leans over to you and says, hey, where are we going to eat after this? <laughs> Distracted. <laughs> I've been there. You know, I've sat where you sit and think, is that report due on Monday or Tuesday? <laughs> right? We're, it's, it's a little bit of human nature. We're flesh. Those things are going to happen. But it's our everyday worries. Psychology has taught us that three basic needs of every human being are food, clothing, and shelter. But isn't it funny how we add so many more things to that list in our day and age? like the best vehicle, the latest iPhone or tablet, my partner's worth, one's social status, the right paying job, the list goes on. And you can ask how these basic needs could possibly come and step in the way of a relationship with Jesus. How could these needs deter our walk with him? But you know as well as I do, when we add stuff to the basics, 
we find ourselves giving them our undivided attention. Jesus was really clear about this in basic needs. Matthew 6, 25 through 30. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, what you got to wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, all my anxiety people, listen to this, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to the span of his life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today is alive and tomorrow's thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And look how it ends. O oh, ye of little faith. What do you have to be anxious about if you're washed in the blood of the Lamb? It's what Jesus said. Why are you worrying about... And, and did you notice what Jesus didn't even mention? I always say this. It's just me. This is the gospel according to this, Mark. He talks about food and clothing. He doesn't even talk about shelter. He even says those things are provided. So your house, wherever you may be living or staying, that's just an added blessing. Jesus said... Don't be fretting. Don't be distracted. Don't be anxious. Don't be worrying over these things. Because if God can take care of a little sparrow, if God can clothe the field and make it look beautiful, how much more of value are you because he sent his one and only son to die in your place? We forget our value. That's one thing that the world inundates us with is forgetting our worth. We are worth so much that Jesus paid the ultimate price for us so we could be part of God's family. We should not worry. We should not be anxious over the everyday things. Number two, ourselves. Yes, us. All of us. You know what my problem is? <clears throat> Excuse me, probably yours too. I put myself in the way too many times. I don't take myself out of the way where God wants to work. Anybody get, you know, I've coined the phrase. I didn't coin it. We, we want to turn into Burger King Christian, Christians. We want it our way. And just, okay, Jesus, catch up with me. Do it this. Here's where I'm going. No, 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 no. Jesus, where do you want me to go today? Jesus, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to take this job here or do you want me to take this job there? Do you want me to get in this circle of friends or that circle of friends? Where can you use me for the most for your glory, for your kingdom? Ourselves, us, the one that most possibly can be the most. We are by nature sinful, and we live our sinful nature. If we live in that, we won't get close to Jesus. We'll miss him when he's there. No matter what you do, hear me, church, no matter what you do, there's a constant battle within yourself between spirit and flesh. There's a constant battle within me of spirit and flesh. 
And I'm so glad we have the Bible because one of the guys who's a faith hero named Paul, the apostle, guess what? He had that same struggle. What? You mean Paul who planted churches and wrote most of the New Testament struggle? Yes, he did. Look at what he wrote the church in Rome. Romans 7, 15. For I do not understand my own actions. Y'all ever been there? You ever done something? Why did I do that? I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I like the King James on that. King James kind of reads, For the things I know I should do, I don't do, and the things I'm not supposed to do, I find myself doing. Somebody say amen. Why in the world? I'm a child of God. What in the world was I thinking? But here's, here, this is a freeing verse. When I found this verse, I said, hallelujah. It's about like Paul saying, I'm chief sinner. I'm not number one. I'm number two. Paul's got me beat. But even Paul struggled with this inner nature of, of flesh versus spirit. For I do not know what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. That is good. So now it's no longer I who do it. Watch this. But sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. Once you get that mindset, you're on your way. For I have the desire. I've got good intentions to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Look at verse 19. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. It's called habitual sin. And we fall into it. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it. What is it, church? It's the sin that dwells within me. That's why we need to constantly allow God to search our hearts and purify it. Psalm 139, 23, 24. And as we're saying today, the first step to overcoming ourselves, taking ourselves out of the uh, equation and getting God first in our lives is becoming aware that we've been distracted, that we are fighting distractions, that we have certain sins in our life. I watched uh, some people, this could go either way. I, I enjoy the teachings and videos of Jordan Peterson. And I saw a recent video where he said, if you really want to challenge yourself, do this. Before you go to bed or when you get up, sit on your bed, ask yourself, find one wrong thing that you're doing, that you know you're doing. He said, this is a challenging exercise. Challenge yourself and say, why is this wrong? Why do I continue to do it? And how can I change it? How can I stop this wrong action that I know I need to stop and I know that should stop? And once you cross that line, guess what? You're becoming aware that sin dwells in you and you have an issue that you need to correct ourselves. Last but not least, this one, I'll just confess, this one hits me. I have struggled with this more in the last two to three years than anything. I think part of it may be my age. I don't know, but I struggle with it. Hectic routines and commitments. You ever seen those films or clips where it shows traffic in fast motion? Sometimes I feel like that's my life. And I know it's not just my life, it's your life. 
You know, there's church, there's family, there's work, there's kids, there's, you can just go on the list. But I feel it's just constant. I feel it's from, I feel there's no rest. I was able to rest four days. That was great. Just like Mikey saying, enjoying a time away. Refreshing is always great. Strategic rest is great. But for the most part, with a lot of responsibilities, sometimes it just feels like a blur. Anybody with me? Of all the hecticness and all the commitments. What happens to most of us in our pursuit to meet basic needs is we get extremely caught up. Hear that phrase. We get extremely caught up with studies, work, perfect career, business pursuits, and then time becomes a costly commodity for us. And when time becomes a costly commodity, what happens, we don't have and we don't focus on the right things. We don't make time for prayer. We don't make time for Bible study. We don't make even time for assembling together with the communion of the saints. And brothers and sisters, that's busyness. And I'm firmly convinced busyness is a tool from hell. It's how the devil keeps us distracted from Jesus' voice. Hey, come spend time with me. Hey, come, come sit quietly in the morning with me. Hey, can we walk in my creation and just experience each other? But we're proverbially running around like a chicken with its head cut off, if we say down south, where we're just not handling things. That's why the Bible advises against busyness. In Ephesians 5.16, the ESV version says, making the best use of this time because the days are evil. And they are. We're living in evil days. But we shouldn't, we shouldn't blame a lack of time as excuse for a relaxed walk with Jesus. Notice I said a relaxed walk. And I've said this before. Read the Gospels. You'll never see Jesus running around like a chicken with his head cut off. Have you thought about that? You'll never see him in a hurry. I mean, just a few messages ago, Jairus comes to him. His daughter is dying. Jesus doesn't say, okay, let's go. He's like, all right. And he gets sidetracked. He gets distracted. The woman of blood grabs his tunic. Do we see Jesus get stressed out? Oh, no, we're not going to make it. Come on, come on, Jairus, let's run. No, he stops and he heals the woman. He gets distracted. People from the house come and say, don't worry, it's not good anymore. She's dead. Oh, no, 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 she's asleep. I'm going to finish what God's called me to do. You always see Jesus at the same pace. I love the message that says that verse, learn the relaxed rhythms of life. There is a rhythm to the life. When you find life with Christ, there is a speed, there is a pace, there is a walk that Jesus has walked. But we're too busy running way ahead of Jesus, beside Jesus, to realize it. And we've got to slow our roll. We've got to find that relaxed walk with Jesus. Make the most of your time in the office. Make the most of your time at home. Make the most of traveling with family. And in everything we do, it's up to you. It's up to me to create a margin in our life to pursue a relationship with Jesus. Because let me tell you, the enemy is doing everything he can to get a margin for you not to pursue Jesus. That's why you're being distracted. Because he doesn't want you walking. Because you know what happens when you walk with Jesus? 
you grow. You get stronger. You get blessed. See, Satan wants you sitting on the couch watching Hulu all day long and not talking to God. He's got you where he wants you. He wants you to spend three hours looking at TikTok videos because you're not spending time with God. You're not learning anything. Oh, they're funny. I enjoy a good TikTok like the rest of them, but not three or four hours worth, two or three hours worth when I can put something enriching in my, something I can give and pass on to my children, to somebody, to a friend in need who needs an encouraging word, a prayer maybe with somebody. We have to, I've said it this way, off that Jarius story, you know, Jesus didn't pull out a day planner and say, well, let's see, Jarius, I'm, uh, it's going to be Tuesday before I get to you. No. If you don't create the margin for time with God in your schedule, nobody else will. No one else will. You have to carve it out, you have to focus, and you have to learn how not to be distracted. You have to learn what Mary learned. That when Jesus is here, I'm going to be quiet and sit at his feet and soak it all in. I'm not going to be slinging pots and pans. I got Jesus in the house. That's all that matters. It's all that matters. These three common distractions, everyday distractions ourselves and hectic busyness, can derail our walk with Jesus. It is a constant struggle. Now hear me, church, I, I get it. It is a constant struggle to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, as the text says, and not become distracted by the passing concerns and things of this world. I'm not saying not be aware of what's going on around you, but don't be distracted. Because if you are aware of what can happen, what does happen, and you allow those distractions in, it's going to, again, it's going to interfere with your walk with Jesus. And it's also going to interfere with his help to get you to overcome those distractions. Remember, Jesus said this, Matthew six thirty three: Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And what, church? All things will be added to you. Everything you need will be added when you seek first the kingdom. Jesus' kingdom. And his righteousness. Hear this too. I love this quote. Sometimes, and I'm preaching to me, y'all. Sometimes we find ourselves trying to do so much for him and not doing very little with him. Think about that. Sometimes we think, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. This looks good. I got to be this for Jesus. And Jesus is saying, hey, can you come over here and take a place on the floor? Can, can you come to my table and break bread with me? Been a long time. I'm going to read it one more time. Sometimes we find ourselves trying to do so much for him and not doing very little with him. You know what that's like? This just dropped in. You can buy your kids all the greatest presents from any place you want to buy them and shower them with gifts. But they want your presence rather than your presence. Hear me. They want time with dad. 
time with mom. They want to make memories when they can look back on. That recent trip I did with Benjamin, I even sowed that seed. I said, one day I pray God brings a godly woman into your life, and I pray that you have children. And if you have children, I pray one day you see this example and you take them away for some father-son, father-daughter time. I pray one day you're given the opportunity to make memories because that's what matters, spending time with him. And that's the mistake Martha made. She had to be in the kitchen. She had to be doing, and, 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 hey, preparing a great meal, setting the right table, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not a bad thing unless Jesus is in the house. When Je if Jesus comes to the house, drop everything, okay? Just drop everything. You don't have to dust. Don't get the vacuum out. He doesn't care. He just wants to spend time with us, church. That was the mistake she made. She was distracted from the one and only thing she really needed to bring peace and balance to her life. Maybe if she sat at his feet, she wouldn't be worried and distracted. Because obviously Mary wasn't to the point it made sister mad. Tell her to quit being good. Tell her to quit sitting at your feet, Jesus. Get in here and help me. I think we need to do more sitting at the feet than worrying about worries and distractions. You know why we need to spend time with Jesus? Let me tell you about him. Paul wrote the Colossian church this way. He said this, Colossians 1.15, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things... In heaven and on earth were created. Did you know that? There's nothing made in this universe that Jesus didn't say. I like that. Things visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. Notice how much too it says all things. All things have been created through him. And not only through him. What does it say church? For him. And I love this verse. This is where it ties into us. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. If your life is falling apart, find time with Jesus, because he'll hold you together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. That's why we need time with him. Paul would write the Corinthian church with these words in 1 Corinthians 11, 2 and 3. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. But look what he says next. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, by his distraction, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Here's the spiritual truth. The opposite of distraction 
is devotion. Are you this morning distracted or devoted? Uh, you have two choices. You can pick. You know, we, we talked about how the phones distract us, and I encourage you on Facebook. I encourage you now. It's funny. Pull your phone out if you want. This is just if you want, but I'm going to give you a great, easy social media evangelistic tool. I put it on my Facebook wall and put it on Instagram, whatever social media you use. Put something like this. I've decided to no longer be distracted, but be devoted. Ask me why. If you have a friend or a family member out there, maybe they'll ask. Maybe they'll say, what are you talking about? What's distracting you? What are you? Let's hope they ask, what are you devoted to now? Jesus. Spending time with him. Learning of him. So he can help me in my life, in my walk of faith in this world. The opposite of distracted is devoted. So do remember the text in closing. Are you being distracted from the one thing? Only one thing is needed, Jesus said. Or are you willing to spend time at the feet of Jesus and enhance your life? and grow in faith, and be blessed. If you're here this morning, and we need to pray for you, we'd love to pray for you. After service, find me, find a member, find one of our church leaders. If you've never started this walk with Christ, we can encourage you on that walk as well to confess his name, that he is the image of the invisible God, that he is the firstborn, that he is the one and only Son of God, that by him every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Be baptized in his name and walk in the newness of life. But my prayer for you is I'm going to close in prayer and then we'll go into a time of communion. I pray that God would reveal each of your, and to me, my distractions. And I pray he'd give us the strength through the Holy Spirit to push those out so that we could hear that clear voice of Jesus. John 10 says, my sheep know my voice and will not Listen to the voice of a stranger. We're listening to some strange voices when we shouldn't be. And we're distracted. Don't be distracted. Be devoted. Let's pray. Father, we see the path, but we run off it. We, we, we're like sheep gone astray, as the word says. We're, we're so easy to turn our heads and look at the, the newest thing or, or what we're wired to be somewhat sometimes addicted to or just have an obsession with. Some of us, God, are, are overly anxious when Jesus, you said, hey, stop worrying. You can't get any taller. You can't add anything to your life. You can't do this. And God takes care of all these way less significant creatures than you. And you were bought with a great price. Why are you worrying? Father, help us to realize the moment that Jesus is closest to us and help us not to be concerned of things that we usually would be concerned with, but help us to have a merry mentality to just say, ah, Jesus, I just want to sit and listen to you. I just want to sit here on the couch and pray with you. Jesus, I, I just need to unburden my heart and tell you what my struggles, I know you know them, but you know what? Jesus, you, you need to hear them and you need to speak back to me and you need to I need to feel your presence I need to feel your power 
I need to feel your mercy, your grace, your love, your forgiveness. And I need to quit being distracted and be devoted to you and you alone. Because only one thing is needed. And that's time with you. Help us to make you, Jesus, a priority this week. Help us to set up a new focus, a new routine where we're constantly being engaged and encouraged and refreshed by you and your word and your spirit and our other believers around us that we surround ourselves with to encourage us in this hard walk of faith in a world that bombards us with distractions. Thank you for your word today. Father, let it not come back void as it says. It will not ever do that. Soak it into our hearts. Help each of us realize a distraction. We need to have an honest conversation with ourselves and say, I don't need this anymore in my life. I need more Jesus. Father, we pray this in his name. In the name of Jesus, amen.